You're listening to the Active Living Podcast by Aditya Birla Health Insurance. The Active Living Podcast is what you're listening to. Welcome to the show. This is Sheetal. Today, we have with us a senior endocrinologist from Apollo Hospitals in Chennai. Her specializations include type 1 diabetes. Uh, also, she's passionate about generally spreading awareness on myths around lifestyle choices that you might make, general health and well-being as well. But on today's uh, episode of Active Living, we've decided to check with Dr. Usha Ayagari. That's who I'm talking about on uh, some of the common issues or things that we talk about when we talk about diabetes thyroid disorders and general myths associated with hormones so it's going to be quite a pandora's box that i'm imagining we're opening over here dr usha welcome to the show this seems to be the podcast which is going to expose a whole bunch of myths am i right about that thank you very much for having me sheetal it's an absolute pleasure again you're right there are so many myths that have become part of the folklore and especially since the advent of doctor google and dr whatsapp mm-hmm. the amount of uh, misinformation that floats around and that unfortunately sometimes sidetracks and distracts our uh, attention mm-hmm. is far too much and any um, attempt to set the record straight has to be lauded so thank you for having me well we'll begin with uh, the situation that we are currently experiencing right now now in your experience as a leading endocrinologist does covid cause or aggravate hormone related health problems uh, dr usha so covid and hormonal health is quite intricate and involved shital mm-hmm. now the first thing is the most co- obvious thing that comes to mind is covid and diabetes because after all diabetes is a hormone related condition right. and we know that there are reports of new onset so new cases of diabetes being diagnosed after covid and also obviously diabetes control with and around covid is extremely important and can get tricky hmm. but apart from diabetes obviously there are other issues we have had case reports these are few and far in between but mm-hmm. we've had case reports of uh, for example pituitary being affected mm-hmm. um there have been case reports of maybe testosterone levels in men being associated with the severity of covid and right. there have obviously been reports of thyroid dysfunction and thyroid disorders with covid so mm-hmm. yes we are learning as we go along about covid we are still in the very early stages of having adequate the uh, science and information about endocrine effects or long term sequelae of mm. covid but there does seem to be an indication that there are various systems that can be hit during and post covid right while on the subject of uh, covid 19 and the pandemic uh, dr usha can you explain to us the connection between covid and diabetes uh, does covid cause diabetes does diabetes exacerbate the conditions caused by covid and so on So that's a very good question Sheetal. The first thing to understand is that people with diabetes are no at no higher risk of catching covid than the general population. Mhm. Having said that, diabetes per se, especially poorly controlled diabetes is a risk factor because it, you can catch any infection with poorly controlled diabetes not just covid. Okay. And when you catch any infection including covid it can be more severe and the outcomes can be worse for people with poorly controlled diabetes. Mm-hmm. On the other side people who don't have diabetes we are picking up newly diagnosed diabetes after covid. After so COVID. that's the, after covid so that's the other thing to be aware of. 
and mm. the third thing to be aware of is covid especially moderate and severe covid can be treated with steroids and when you give somebody steroids whether you have pre existing diabetes or not your sugars go up now if you don't have pre existing diabetes your sugars may go up high enough for this to be diagnosed as diabetes mm-hmm. or if you have pre existing diabetes the sugars may be much more difficult to control so there are various uh, complex interactions between covid and diabetes mm-hmm. and uh, we are learning more and more as we live through this pandemic yeah. about how covid interacts with diabetes diabetes right and uh, i mean this is a question that i thought was important for this conversation especially seeing as we are the country with uh, quite a number of diabetes indeed the diabetes capital of the world is what they call us is that true even now and is that is that something that makes this complicated for us are we are we should we brace ourselves for an explosion in diabetes worsening the condition so we don't yet have solid numbers of how much new diabetes is being diagnosed post covid mm-hmm. the science with covid is emerging and if i talk to you about something today two weeks later it might become irrelevant mm-hmm. but what we do know is covid is making it much more difficult for us to manage our diabetes we are being very innovative obviously with the telemedicine and everything else but it is very important for people with diabetes to stay in touch with their healthcare professionals to monitor closely to take their medication and not to neglect their health especially at this time because control of diabetes does change outcomes from covid right i think that is a very powerful statement to made now is where we move into understand thyroid uh, related disorders um this is perhaps not brought up that very often it's almost like the poorer cousin of say in diabetes and <laughs> you know endocrine related disorders but are people with thyroid issues more vulnerable to covid or is there a correlation over there that's similar to the uh, link between diabetes and covid if you have baseline thyroid dysfunction mm-hmm. there is no data to suggest that you are at a higher risk of contracting covid and people with baseline thyroid dysfunction fortunately don't do any worse in terms of covid outcomes okay mm-hmm. so that is the positive spin on this okay. however we know that sars cov2 mm-hmm. can cause certain types of dysfunction of the thyroid okay. but most of this disturbance in the thyroid function is reversible okay mm-hmm. you can have subclinical as in it is not severe enough to cause symptoms but can be picked up on testing mm-hmm. or you can have thyroiditis and inflammation of the gland that is picked up mm-hmm. but either way most of this is reversible mm-hmm. it doesn't make it any worse let's move to another subject on my question for you it's got to do with understanding obesity and related issues and uh, well a lot of people don't even know what that number is on the weighing scales today to uh, put me in the obese or overweight categories if if the two are actually separate categories altogether so the message is a bit confusing for everyone who doesn't know the science behind obesity which is also in that comorbidity list you know so dr shak help us understand what is obesity and what does it do to the body Absolutely Sheetal this is such a vitally important question for several reasons one obesity is a medical condition it is not a lifestyle issue i think we need to drive that message home mm-hmm. yes certain lifestyle choices can influence the outcomes of your obesity but ultimately just as you would seek treatment for high blood pressure or asthma or diabetes obesity is something that must be managed with medical supervision and help Okay that is the first point to make the second thing is obesity is not difficult to diagnose and 
if you know your height and your weight hmm. you can plug into any search engine just say calculate bmi right because your bmi is the ratio of your height to your weight mm-hmm. and we have certain cutoffs that define what is normal what is overweight and what is obesity so if you plug in your height and weight into these bmi calculators if the result comes up as less than 18.5 that is underweight mm-hmm. 18.5 to 22.9 is normal 23 to 24.9 and i'm talking about asian cutoffs because frequently when you plug it in what you end up seeing are the caucasian cutoffs which are mm. higher okay but for asians 23 upwards is overweight and 25 upwards is obesity and the reasons the cutoffs are lower for asians is because we are at risk of the complications of obesity mm. at these lower bmi levels Ah, mm-hmm. so obesity involves fat accumulating in places where it isn't good for your health so around your liver around your pancreas around the organs where it shouldn't be and this directly affects your outcomes and at these lower bmis we asians have fat accumulation abnormal places and that is why the cutoff for us asians is much lower than it is for a western caucasian population now is obesity an endocrine disorder yes yeah. definitely because fat tissue is a huge endocrine organ it produces various hormones these hormones affect your appetite they affect your inflammation they affect your fat handling they affect your insulin sensitivity and your risk of diabetes developing diabetes and heart disease so mm. obesity firmly falls within the endocrine category and should be treated as a comorbidity okay. and what happens with obesity and covid we have known for some time that people with obesity do worse when you contract covid what we have just learned is that people with obesity do worse in terms of recovery from covid so the post acute sequelae of covid this is a new term okay are much more severe in people with obesity unfortunately we've learned that now it can affect your recovery from covid as well okay uh any any like you gave uh, diabetics a word of advice uh, some caution with respect to what they need to do anything that you'd like to say people who are looking at the weighing scales and not seeing a number that's happening look obesity can be very tricky to manage mm-hmm. and the earlier we start the better the results the right time to address obesity is stop it from happening start from childhood ideally keep the kids active minimize their screen time keep them physically active not just stuck to their books and mentally active yeah. now if we start with childhood and we can stop the next generation from becoming obese then the entire health of our country improves on the other hand for somebody who's overweight again this is not an inevitable progression we can take our health in our hands if you recognize this unhealthy weight at the time when you're overweight you can with a combination of lifestyle modification diet and exercise and all three are important and if necessary medication we can move you from the overweight to the normal or healthy weight category or if you're already in the obese category then definitely in order to minimize future comorbidity and we've used this word already it right. just means to stop us from getting unhealthy in the future we need to lose weight now previously there was this concept of fat but fit Mm. or you can be overweight or obese but still be healthy what we are starting to understand is that perhaps this is not quite the whole truth mm. and that you if you are overweight or obese you are somebody who has inverted quotations not yet developed the comorbidities mm. healthy for now 
but at risk for the future so the best thing you can do if you are overweight and healthy now is to actually move your health towards the healthy side by losing a bit of weight by starting to become active and just overhauling your entire lifestyle lifestyle well very very um, sage advice there fat and fit that one uh, that's one myth that's been busted over here now to come to the overall you know the biochemistry of uh, of uh, what we are experiencing and feeling <laughs> the endocrine system in that sense of the word um, different ways in which we call this out we say okay must be hormone imbalance right uh, women usually are more comfortable using these terms saying that okay uh, menopausal sy- symptoms or perimenopausal symptoms pmsing this and that so we we are a bit comfortable but generally speaking right how does one stay well from the context of your turf dr usha if i may put it that way um so shital this is a very interesting question now i think fundamentally what we have to understand is that our endocrine system is a very finely tuned organ hmm. it balances itself most of the time mm-hmm. there are certain conditions in which you can see a disturbance if you are sedentary if you are overweight or obese if you are uh, not to maintain a maintaining an entirely healthy lifestyle hmm. the most common thing you see is developing what we call insulin resistance so your sensitivity to using your insulin goes down mm-hmm. and this eventually makes you more prone to diabetes Right. but insulin resistance is also a very fertile soil for things like future high blood pressure um problems with cholesterol levels and heart disease mm-hmm. the other thing that you might see are some minor disturbances in your thyroid on the whole there are no major inverted quotations hormonal imbalances that don't get picked up on tests so sometimes i have people coming to me and saying doctor because of xyz symptoms i must have a hormonal imbalance hmm. now depending on the symptoms we will do the appropriate tests but if the tests indicate that these are within the normal range then a lot of what we put down to hormonal imbalance can be corrected with simple lifestyle measures right so for example if you are not sleeping well mm-hmm. this will increase your levels of cortisol overnight this will mean that you are going to be more prone to putting on weight poor sleep patterns do put you at a future risk of heart disease and high blood pressure and diabetes but i wouldn't call that a hormonal imbalance of cortisol hmm. i would call this fundamentally a lifestyle issue and this can be reset by hmm. changing your sleep patterns mm-hmm. if you have stress again it will affect certain hormones but i wouldn't call that a hormonal imbalance mm-hmm. i would say that that is something that we need to do by maybe a little bit of relaxation techniques whatever works for you yoga meditation music dance working out yeah. but a little bit of me time a little bit of relaxation and those stress hormone levels will come down most of the things that we put down to hormonal imbalance can come down to changing lifestyle measures a general word of caution considering we've spoken about a few of these aspects uh, dr usha clearly there's plenty more right but generally if you were to, to point people in the direction of uh, solid information right or how to sift pseudoscience from science in the area of hormones and hormone replacement therapies what would you tell them this is very important one go to reliable sources and for most health conditions as well as for most specialties there are accredited national bodies that put out information for patients as well as for healthcare professionals so for example if you are looking for information on the thyroid reading blogs from people or reading google searching for general information is a very um shall i say hazardous pastime on the other hand there are 
accredited societies so the american thyroid association or the british thyroid society or the indian society endocrine society of india right. and the thyroid society of india all of these have accredited patient information websites that put out reliable peer reviewed reliable peer reviewed being the keywords scientific information so right. we make these easy to understand for consumption by the general public so go to these um reliable websites and if you don't know where to go every country has its own national society for example endocrinologists we have a endocrine society of india final question this is more about uh, a more personal question dr usha what do you swear by uh, to ensure mental and physical health i wish i could uh, say that i am a rigorous follower of all of these tenets <laughs> but i do try, my tenet is always if you do 80% of the things 80% of the time i think you escape with most sins in this world <laughs> so i never aim for perfection on 100% Right. but i will exercise 5 days out of 7 at least okay mm-hmm. and this is a given okay. i do a combination of cardio aerobic okay and a little bit of uh, resistance training now that might take the form of maybe light weights it might take the form of resistance bands but exercise is something that is an absolute central core tenet of my life 5 days a week I sleep at the right time and I try to get at least 7 hours a day and the right time for all of us physiologically we get our deepest it's called REM sleep which is the restorative sleep between about 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock in the morning and you only go into REM sleep around 90 minutes after falling asleep so you really need to be thinking in terms of bedtimes of 10 10:30 maximum 11 o'clock so that you get this restorative sleep and most people need around 7 hours of sleep uh-huh. nutrition wise every meal needs to be balanced and the third thing is stress management a little bit of me time for me that me time also happens to be exercise time okay <laughs> uh, thank you so much uh, dr usha for bringing smiles into our life and addition to all of that uh, all of that perspective it's been an absolute pleasure thank you very much sheetal and thank you for having me once again this is the active living podcast by aditya birla health insurance thanks for tuning in we'll be back soon 